Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He said, you are Peter. You are this little stone, Petros, little stone. But on this rock, this truth of what you just said, that I am the the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that rock, that rock, that Petra. Petra is a huge rock. It's a boulder. It's a mountain. It's immovable, immutable. Upon that rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The Lord and his truth is unchanging. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob continues our study in Chapter 2 of Peter's first epistle. You know, as believers in Jesus Christ, we know that he is our Lord and Savior. And because of his finished work on the cross, we are reconciled to our God. That is where everything starts. However, Peter reminds us of so many more characteristics that make up what our Savior is. Jesus is our chief cornerstone that is immovable. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible assures us that he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Jesus is the faithful promise keeper. Let's join Pastor Rob now with today's study. That this is the only thing that is pure on this earth. The only thing. So if that is the truth, then... The impetus is on me then to get to know this. Because when I read this, I get to know him. And I get to know who I am and the great gulf that's between us. And the fact that Jesus Christ is the mediator. He is, he is the one that we have to... Jesus said, no man comes unto the Father except through me. There's only one way to, to God the Father, and that's through Christ. No other way. No other way. You're not going to get it through Muhammad. You're not going to get it through Buddha. You're not going to get it through anything else. Only through Christ. And you know what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know, when you have been the beneficiary of the Lord's grace and mercy, you are changed forever. I like the idea, there's a phrase I heard, ruined by grace. You know, normally when we think of ruin, it's it's something in a derogatory way. But I've been ruined by grace. I'll never be the same. The world has no hold on me any longer. Hopefully not. It may have tentacles that it reaches out to, and God is just wanting to chop those things off. Are you ruined by his grace? Is there anything more adorable, anything that's captured your heart more than the grace of God? Because when you experience the grace of God, and the grace is when you receive something that you could not deserve, it's unmerited favor. You didn't merit it at all. You didn't do anything to deserve it. He just says, I love you, and I'm going to give you everything. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe in the one 
Savior, Jesus Christ. His name even means God's salvation. Believe in me, he says. No longer then, when you've experienced that grace, are you going to practice sin. And you may fall into it occasionally, but you know what? what? What does a child of God do when he falls into sin? He doesn't throw up his hands and say, I knew this wouldn't work, I'm going to Buddha. No, he says, God, forgive me for I have sinned. This is what I've done. God, I confess it. Please forgive me. And then you have to hold the promise that you are forgiven. Do you believe that promise and walk away from that, knowing that God chooses to forget it? By what? Your good works? No, by the blood of Christ. That's how powerful it is. You can walk away restored in your fellowship with him as if it had never happened. And see, to me, if I can grasp that kind of grace, that changes everything in my life. It changes my worldview. Because there's, no, there's nothing like that in the world. You mess up in the world, and they'll fire you. They'll kick you out. They'll, have your, they'll take your pass from you and have your stuff all boxed up by the door and escort you out with a security guard. But God says, you know what? You messed up. I love you. You confess it to me. It's done. There may be some consequences as a result of this, son, daughter, but I love you, and you're bound for heaven regardless because you put your faith in me, Jesus. That will set you in a whole different mind. Let this mind be in you, who is in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself, became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. Going on to verse 4 here, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, notice, there's a living stone, and then you also are living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up physical sacrifices? Pigs? No, not pigs. Cows? Lambs? No, spiritual sacrifices. There's no longer any need to have a sacrificial system. Christ died once and for all. There's no need for any of that any longer. He says, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. This idea of a living stone is a metaphor for Jesus Christ. He is the stone spoken of here, and it speaks of a small stone. Now, we know that there are many ways that we can look at Jesus. He is not only the small stone, you know, he is the the living stone, but he's also the big stone. He's everything in between. Because the stone spoken of here is small stone for building. And a stone is dead, but it's solid, isn't it? And depending on its size, it can be immovable. But Jesus is alive, and he is very solid. There's no sin within him. There's no darkness within him, no sin. And his truth is immovable. It's immutable. Immutable. In Matthew chapter 16, says this, and I also say to you that you are Peter. You remember when Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, Peter, he said, you are Peter. You are this little stone, Petros, little stone. But on this rock, this truth of what you just said, that I am the, the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that rock, that rock, that Petra. Petra is a huge rock. It's a boulder. It's a mountain. It's immovable, immutable. 
Upon that rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The Lord and his truth is unchanging. It says in Hebrews 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's the same. He doesn't change. He's not like us. We're always changing. And aren't you glad you serve an unchanging God? Because if he can change, he is no longer God. That means he can learn, he can grow, but he can't. He can't learn, he can't grow. He is who he is. I don't know about you, but if you think about that too long, you need like, you know, you need to like take some aspirin because it's a mind bender when you think of it. How great and how awesome he is. That's where our worship begins when you think about who he is and the infinite love and the grace and the holiness, the purity, to think that we'll even need new bodies to stand in his presence. To me, that just shoots me out of orbit. I don't even need a space shuttle to you know, strap rockets full of gas or jet fuel. <laughs> that, that thought alone just blasts you into orbit. Awesome. But notice what it says in verse, therefore, he was rejected by men, but chosen by God. Around 700 B.C., Isaiah wrote this, and this is something that we all know in Isaiah 53. It says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him, speaking of Christ, as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The, the literal word in the Hebrew for stripes is a singular word, stripe. It's a singular noun. What is that single blow that God the Father put upon his son? Was it all the stripes and all the blood on the cross? No. The single stroke was when he pronounced judgment upon his son and placed all the sin of the world upon him in one moment. He became, the Bible says, sin for us. His soul became an atonement for us. That moment, the sky went dark, the world went dark. Probably a total eclipse. We don't really know what happened there, but it was supernatural. And God says, I turn my back on you. And that's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what this was all about. He knew what was coming. But nonetheless, was it enjoyable? Was that like hell for him? Being separated from God is hell. We've never experienced hell. Even right now in the pre present earth that we live in, God is with us. By his spirit, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent. We see he is here. But to be absent from God, can you imagine what the world is going to be like when all the Christians are raptured? Can you imagine the filth that's going to come forth? There'll be nothing restraining it, nothing restraining darkness whatsoever because the light has been removed. Talk about legislation then. It's going to get wicked really quick. And no one will oppose it. It'll be like a flood. You ever seen pictures of a tsunami? You can go on YouTube and look at the tsunami in, oh, I forget what it was, 2007? I forget what year it was. The one in uh, Phuket uh, in uh, Indonesia? Horrible. People are out there playing. And, the, and the, you know, the tide went way out. And they're out there. And you, you see the cameras out there. And they had video footage of this. And people are out there picking up sand dollars or whatever it is, looking at shells. Little did they know there was a wave coming. 
And it was too late. It just swept them away. Instant death. They had no clue. That's what it's going to be like when you and I are removed from this earth. It is going to come in like that, and there'll be no mercy. And yet everyone will be on the same page. No restraint. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, that Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. It didn't know him. He came to his own. He came even to the Jewish race. He was born through the, the, the Jewish race. He came to his own, even, even us that he created. And we, and, 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 and his own, he did not, did not receive him. His own even put him away. But he was chosen by God and precious. What did God the Father say at Jesus' baptism? Jesus, of all people, didn't need to be baptized. But what did he say? What did God the Father say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them as he hung on the cross. Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with him, they sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Yes, he was chosen of God. And he's not going to perform miracles to satisfy some freak show. Jesus will never entertain like that. But he was chosen of God. In verse 5, you also, us, we are living stones and are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, and this is so wonderful about the body of Christ because we are many members, but we are all one. That's one thing that makes, and what a, what a great power that is. What a great unity. You know, you can get on a plane and you can go all over the world and wherever you go, if there is a believer and you start talking with them, instant there's fellowship. Instantly. You know where they're coming from. You know their worldview. All the discussion doesn't even need to happen. You can just hang out and worship. Have a nice cup of coffee. Right? Romans 12, verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read this to you too. This is a wonderful uh, chapter because we are living stones a holy priesthood, a holy nation. We are all together, and together we make up this wonderful, mystical, gracious body of Christ. Do you love each other? I mean, I know we have our differences at times. We have squabbles. We have personality conflicts. But you know, we can still love one another in spite of those things, and we need to. We can't run from each other. We ought not to run and hide. Work through it. Does anybody work through anything anymore? Or in the first sight of difficulty, do you run away? It's an easy thing to do. It's a cowardly thing to do. When you go to a church and someone has hurt you, do you leave the church and go, they're just a bunch of hypocrites? Well, guess what? We are. <laughs> in every one of us, you don't have to search very hard. You'll find some hypocrisy. 
But isn't it so much better to live and walk through it together and to grow as a result of it and work through it? That is supernatural. The easy thing, the very natural thing is just to go, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You hurt my feelings. And instead of just getting it right and doing the harder thing by just getting down face to face and saying, you know what? I said this about you and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And for you to say, you know what? I do forgive you. I didn't like it. I'm very angry. And you frustrated me. I get it. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try hard to never do it again. Forgive me. And, you know, and there's restoration. It's the way it always needs to be. Because we're going to rub each other the wrong way at different times. It's going to happen. It's just part and parcel. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink in one spiritual drink, in one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if your ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And even in our body right now, everything that this fellowship needs is sitting right here. The gifts you have, the spiritual gifts you have, the experience that you have, even in worldly things. Everything is here. Hmm. Verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, nor much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And see, that's, that's what's so wonderful about the body of Christ. You know, and that's why when there's births in the fellowship, the call goes out to ladies, you know. You know what it's like if you've had a child and you know what that's like still healing and still dealing with, the, oh my gosh, I got this life that's dependent upon me. Help me, Kelgon, take me away. Right? <laughs> you get into that mode and you're like, I need help. And then you got sisters coming up and delivering meals to you, and those things happen. You know, when you're sick, somebody comes up and prays with you. Or you're in the hospital and somebody visits you. You know, these are the kind of things that make the body of Christ so unique and so wonderful. And it's better than anything else in the world. It's better than anything. And the world will never clap their hand or pat you on the back. There'll never be an accolade for you walking in purity, walking in holiness. The world will not recognize you. The world could care less. In fact, it will look at you as a weakling. It will look at you as 
the off-scouring of the earth because you don't fit in with the program. You're the piece of the puzzle that doesn't fit. You've got a jagged edge. You don't fit. You have to go. And yet God says, you're a piece of my puzzle. You're part of my body. Imperfect right now, but perfected in my eyes. And you know, we need to see each other that way and to love each other. We're not going to finish this chapter. (laughs) We're going to have to pick up here next week. But be encouraged that you are living stones. Living stones. And what does a stone do? A living stone is there to add to the pile. We're going to look later on. It's going to say Jesus Christ is a chief cornerstone. I'll just end with this one thing. A cornerstone, any architect knows, any builder knows. There's people in this room who I know who know about this stuff. When they build a house and they put the, chief, they put the cornerstone in there and they get that stone right because that is going to be the angle at which this house is going to be framed on. There's one stone. They set it, and they get out the measurements, and they make sure they get out the, the um, what do they call those guys with the poles and the, the surveyors? Is that what they call them? They, they come, and they're looking to make sure the plot of land is just right. It's 14 point, you know, 17 meters that way, and, and put that stone right there, and then they, they get it down. They, they position that rock, that foundation stone. And then from that one stone, they start building the edges, and they start building the edges, and they start building the edges, and they make measurements, making sure it's straight as an arrow. And they go through all that trouble. But the chief cornerstone of your life is Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. He is the chief cornerstone. The builders rejected him. And he's a stumbling block, a rock of offense to the world that he loves, that he died for. And many of us mocked him before we came to Christ. I did. But now he's the chief cornerstone of my life. Is he the chief cornerstone of your life? Have you let him be that? Today, make him the chief cornerstone. He will set everything right, but you have to make the determination. I'm going to, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to put away all the games. I want to put away all the things that I know are wrong. And I'm going to make mistakes, God, and he knows that. But you keep coming, and when you fail, you get back up. And when you fail, you get right back up, and you confess. And when you fail again, you confess it and get back up again. And when you fail again, you get back up. You don't stop. You must get up and honor the king, giving your heart to him. Let's stand. Father, we give you thanks today, Lord, for loving us so wonderfully and so perfectly. Lord, we do crown you king again in our lives. And Father, Lord, if the cornerstone needs to be adjusted, (laughs) Lord, you are the cornerstone, but Lord, our lives need to be adjusted according to that stone to you. Lord, help us to move our lives, to shape our lives around you. Lord, you're the one with whom we have to do. You're the only great God. You're the only one who loves us with an everlasting love. Lord, have your way with us this week, and bless us, Lord. Protect us as we go out from here, Lord, on our way home today, Lord. Just the corners that are still kind of caked with snow and slippery, Lord, help us be be wise. Get us home, Lord. Help us to love as you loved, and help us to honor you with the first fruits of our day and every day.
Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.